Welcome to Front Office Pros. Today, we're going to be talking about our Week 5 IDP recap, as well as our Week 6 predictions. Here with us today to break it all down is Evan Ronda. He is the host of the IDP After Show and the IDP Game Theory Podcast. Evan, thanks so much for joining the show today. Thanks so much for having me. Absolute pleasure to join you guys here on this episode. Really, really love what you guys do, and I'm I'm so glad to be part of it. Hut, hut, hike! So we're going to be talking about studs, duds, and our pro tip of the week for week six. So Evan, why don't you start us off? Who is your stud? So as a guest appearance on a podcast, I can't, I can't not give a shout out to my guy, Terrell Bernard. I have been a big fan of his throughout the entirety of the offseason. Those uh, listeners that are familiar with the IDP show know the meme of my love for Terrell Bernard. And I was so worried about him going into the season, not getting that work. And well, he got that work and he's been absolutely kicking butt so far this year. And this past week, he just continued the trend, getting 16 tackles. Now, he played 88 defensive snaps. So obviously, I'm sure your listeners are familiar. The more snaps you play, the more tackles you're going to get. And, you know, you're probably going to expect like, you know, 59 on average. But this Buffalo defense has been absolutely racking up snaps. And as a result of that, Terrell Bernard has been getting a ton of tackles. And as a in addition to this, I don't want to spoil what we're going to be talking about later, but I'm sure at this point, some of the listeners have heard about the Matt Milano injury. So... I see this as kind of an opportunity for Bernard to continue to be an efficient tackler. And in lieu of spoiling what you're going to talk about later, I'll actually just save the rest of my thoughts on this specific thing, because I know you're going to mention a few other implications from that injury. So I'll just leave it at that and say Terrell Bernard's an absolute stud and a quick shout out. I know he didn't get credited with a sack on most platforms, but PFF, you know, they're not real stats but he did get credited with a sack there just showing that he still still does have some pass rush upside as well for some spike weeks evan i think it's a great pick by you and i'm gonna elect not to say anything for the time being (laughs) i love it thank you (laughs) yeah i mean uh i know we'll touch on it again later but you know I, i was wondering you know who at the beginning of the season which person a you know linebacker is going to step up opposite Milano after Edmonds left and you know like you said just Bernard's been an absolute stud and been pretty surprised by his production and just the way he's been able to fill into that role absolutely super excited to see him show out so Joe who do you have as your stud yeah so I'm gonna keep it right in the Buffalo Bill side uh on their defense and uh go with AJ Epinesa you know uh, AJ Epinesa really filled up the stat sheet yesterday. Um, he had four tackles, two solo, uh, two sacks, three pass deflections, a couple of quarterback hits, and then uh, forced a fumble and recovered one as well. And, you know, the forced fumble came in at a crucial point. Um, Jaguars were at least in field goal, field goal range and was able to get that forced fumble and stop them there from scoring. And in this game, uh, AJ Epinesa had a pass rush grade of 88.7, you know, according to PFF. And, he also had a significant uptick in snaps as well. He had 59 where usually he was somewhere, you know, sometimes in the teens to the twenties. And I think, you know, as Evan mentioned, a lot of that had to do with the injuries that were suffered in the game and that rotation just couldn't get, they couldn't use the rotation as much due to the injury of players. 
Yeah, it didn't help that Von Miller was on a snap count. Greg Rousseau was ruled out of the game early on, and Jack Lawson. I mean, you had Jonathan Kingsley out there, <laughs> which you probably most people don't even know who that is. Uh, so it's one of those things where at Vanessa and no longer Boogie Basham, right? Boogie Basham got traded over uh, to the Giants. So I think at the end of the day, I, I would say as a Bills fan, and boy, you guys are just talking about Bills. This is music to my ears over here. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think uh, to me, I was impressed. I really was. I think it might be his best game as a Bill. Um, has been kind of an underachiever, honestly, uh, up until this point. But uh, he was uh, an impact player. Question will be, will he continue? I mean, you did have Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd was playing out there as well. Um, but once you have Leonard Floyd and Vaughn, and then you bring Russo back in, I just wonder if it was just a flash of the pan or, uh, you know, will he continue these uh, the stats? I'm with you in, in those concerns as far as just consistency down the road. Like, I'm, I'm happy for the guy. I'm, I'm glad he had his week. I think, I think we're in agreement here that this is entirely dependent on the status of Rousseau and Miller going forward. But... I guess I can ask a quick theoretical question. Let's just say Miller ends up coming back way too slow and Russo misses time. Like, can you trust Epinesa in your starting lineup as soon as like next week? Well, I mean, the Giants matchup is a great one. I mean, <laughs> we've been talking about how Evan Neal's a turnstile, right, Joe? So, I mean, I think, uh, I think, I think Epinesa would be worthy of a start. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, especially for next week, you know, outside of that, it, you know, we'll see. But um, it'll be interesting, though, because, you know, I, I believe Epinesa usually lines up against the left tackle. Neil's the right tackle. So maybe, I mean, unless they switch things up on the D-line to figure out how to get a match up on Evan Neal to to beat him. Because like you have mentioned, Neil has been an absolute turnstile there. But, uh, you know, for doesn't really matter. I mean. Daniel Jones has been getting hit so much. I guess we'll see. The other factor is if Daniel Jones is playing quarterback or is it going to be Teddy Bridgewater? Or Tyrod Taylor, you mean? Or Tyrod Taylor, sorry, yes. Teddy Bridgewater. Same, same yeah, type so of similar quarterback, similar quarterback type, Steve. I got them mixed up. Sorry. For what it's <laughs> worth, their left tackle has been grading just as poorly as Evan Neal. So. <laughs> not, not surprising. So my stud of the week, and I know this might seem like an obvious one. Steve, what are you doing? I know, I know. But i got to give this guy credit. Uh, it's got to be edge rusher, defensive end, TJ Watt. Uh, he had two sacks, two solo tackles, two tackles for loss, a fumble recovery. Interestingly enough, TJ Watt now leads the league with eight sacks and 15 quarterback hits. I mean, this guy is absolutely dynamic. And to me... When it comes to T.J. Watt, he might be, this is a little bit of a hot take, maybe not really, he might be the most valuable player in fantasy football. I'm talking offense and defense. If you play in mixed leagues, <clears throat> to me, this guy, he's an absolute cheat code. What he's been able to do is unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I think if you guys you want to join me here, um, as of this episode, this is T.J. Watt's birthday. He's turned 29 years old. I think we can all sing happy birthday to T.J. Are we ready? Happy, no, <laughs> but but uh, you know, so he's turning 29. We know pass rushers can play later in their career. I think he's the perfect buy now candidate at the deadline. If you're a contender, you got to do whatever you need to do to get this guy because the type of impact that he has, defenders are not aren't consistent, it's usually feast or famine, but not with TJ Watt. TJ Watt can just is continually has this, this floor, but he has this massive ceiling on top of it. 
So if I'm if I'm in a league, if I'm in a dynasty league, and I'm going for it, I think I do what I need to, to get this guy. If if it just so happens that that team is out of it, if they're a contender, there's no way they're going to trade him. But um, this guy, he he's honestly been snuffed a couple times or snubbed, I should say. Um, he should have been defensive player of the year multiple times. Uh, Aaron Donald took, I think he's had one. He the one year Aaron Donald got it, which he shouldn't have. Uh, the guy's just a game record. Simple as that. Yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, look, I'm the Steelers fan here, so obviously I'm going <laughs> to agree with you. But I love specifically what you said about him possibly being one of the most valuable assets in all of fantasy. Because if you think about value, like there's so much more to it than I think what the average fantasy player thinks of when they think of value. They probably think about like a number on a trade calculator and like, sure, that's part of it. But I think there's also an inherent value to the concentrated production that he provides and the consistency at which he does it. Because like, sure, you could get the same amount of points from two different dudes, but the fact that you get his score in one roster position actually gives you more flexibility with the rest of your roster as well, which is just so incredible. And I think a lot of managers maybe don't understand that enough as far as like value consolidation in a trade too. Like if I'm giving three dudes to get TJ Watt, even if the numbers that add together on a trade calculator are bigger than the number associated with TJ Watt, that doesn't account for the fact that I'm getting one dude getting all that concentrated value. So I, I totally agree with you. He could be a really, really good buy candidate, like a buy high because it's just worth it. Cause he's that good. If you can afford to pay up and you're in the right situation to pull it off. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to, hard to argue with that. I, you know, do tend to agree though. I think if you do happen to be in one of those perfect storms where you got to somebody who is actually going to want to try to move on from TJ Watt just because of their situation. I mean, you absolutely got to try to get this guy, just the impact and the amount of points you're going to get out of him is just, you know, you won't get it from anyone else. When I try to look at value a lot of times, I don't know what you guys do, but I tend to look at it from a points above replacement standpoint and he far and away, the difference between what he does and then even the next, even defensive end too, the, the fancy points per game is staggering. It, you don't see that type of jump in any other position besides him. So I, I think he, honestly, I believe if you're in a dual league and you, you know, reward you know, defensive ends accordingly, I, I don't know if there's a more valuable player in fantasy football. Yeah. I mean, for a bit there in his prime, you know, we always talked about in our league, you know, Aaron Donald was that guy, you know, he just, especially a defensive tackle, like there's just nobody else within like probably like 50 points of him or even more. Um, now TJ Watt has kind of taken over that. So are you enjoying this video so far? Well, if you are, show your support to our new channel by hitting the subscribe button and liking this video. We'll be creating videos all NFL season long, so you're not going to want to miss what we have in store. So going over to the duds, who is your dud from week five, Evan? Yeah, I feel bad about this because I don't want to pile on here. I know Cowboys fans are already suffering enough as it is. But I got to call out Micah Parsons as the dud of the week. Now, I think I need to add a clarifying statement to this. I believe Micah Parsons is the dud of the week. I don't necessarily have long-term concerns for him, and so I will offer some encouragement there. 
Um, there's a couple things at play here. Number one, it's really poor. I, I always hate on myself for using this phrase, but until I find another one, I gotta, I gotta keep using it. He's had really poor sack luck. His pressures to sack conversion ratio is not at a, at a rate. I think that accurately reflects how well he's playing on the field in ways that don't show up on a stat sheet. So depending on your scoring format, he might've gotten anywhere between like two and eight points, but in any case, Managers are probably disappointed with that number. And I think that the number doesn't accurately reflect what kind of an impact he's having on the field. Now, even if this was a relatively down game for him, he is still one of the best all in all football players in the entire league. And like week five at the end of the day is just going to be a drop in the pan as far as what this actually means for his long-term production. So I'm optimistic as far as how he'll be for the rest of the season. He's like second in the league in pressures from the edge position behind only Aiden Hutchinson. And like, that's an okay place to be. And I will also add uh, with the Leighton Vander Esch neck injury, you know, he's probably going to miss like four to six weeks. Uh, their defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn mentioned, uh, I mean, first of all, shout out to Moan Clark, the managers, there's your, there's your free tip, but also that Micah Parsons could potentially see a few more off ball linebacker snaps, which could race his tackle floor a bit. So there's another reason why I'm a little more optimistic for him long-term. But this week, you just got to take it and, and walk away. Yeah, I think when it comes to Micah Parsons, it's not really something I, you know, so, you know especially defense, man, it's feast or famine, especially for the edge rushers. So um, Niners are a good team. And, you know, they have a good offensive line. And Purdy, you know, from what I could tell, Joe, you're the, part of the Purdy fan club. So you would actually be able to say it, but I feel like he gets the ball out pretty quick, uh, which doesn't help pass rushers to be able to get that sack. Yeah. He, yeah, he definitely does. You know, uh, you know, if you watch the games and just listen, the announcers always talk about his ability to process things very fast and he just is able to read what the defense is doing and get the ball out. So, you know, he, I feel like he is a tough guy to sack and then just their their scheme in general because of the how good their run game is and then the play action you just i feel like that just keeps you off balance on the d-line as it is their entire offensive philosophy is we are going to put your defenders where we want your defenders to be and that's in the wrong spot <laughs> right <laughs> so joe who was your dud of the week yeah my dud of the week I'm going to go with Dennis Gardeck uh, just because last week I predicted him to stay hot and get a sack against the Bengals. And he let me down, you know, he only had a sack on it or a t solo tackle and then a, a tackle assist in this game. But uh, you know, his pass rusher grade was also the lowest thus far at 55.5. And, you know, Burrow did end up getting sacked three times in this game. So I guess my process was correct. Just, the player I picked didn't get the sack. Good for you, Joe, to have accountability and know to, <laughs> and acknowledge when you're wrong and uh, own up to it. So kudos to you. Uh, he's you know by their best pass rusher to date by far, not even close. So it would beg to to think that he would be the one to get the sack. So I, I think it was it was sound logic by you, just didn't work out. Yeah, for the same reason. Like, I told managers to start Micah Parsons last week, and, you know, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but much like you, I mean, I wouldn't take this and be like, oh, Gardeck sucks or, you know, you know, hold it, hold him too accountable. But for this week, he just didn't get it done. 
So my dud of the week is edge rusher defensive end Josh Uche. In 2023, he came off a career high of 11 and a half sacks, um, but he hasn't been that impressive this year. Uh, he only had one solo tackle against the Saints. Uh, Uche played a total of 36 snaps and entering into his fourth season. So it's a contract year. We know what that means, Joe. They're going to ball out the gash out. Uh, he just really has, and I think it's it's hurting him that Judon is missing time right now on injured reserve. Uh, I think it's gonna it's he just does not have a premier pass rusher to, to draw attention, and as a result, he's suffering. So I think people were really expecting a huge breakout after for him after what he did last year with eleven and a half sacks, but it's looking more like an anomaly, and I'm sort of concerned for him. I was specifically hoping for a really big week from him this week. I I said as much. It seemed like a good matchup against the Saints with, you know, like the injury already. Like I figured he's going to get more. He's going to get more snaps. He's already been extremely efficient as a just in a pass rush win basis. But no, like he he really didn't show up that much on the stat sheet. And I was digging into this game actually before we started recording and Interestingly enough, you know, going into this week, I was like, Josh Uche and and Keon White, like they're going to see more snaps. No, it was Anthony Jennings that like played more edge snaps than both of those two guys. And he actually played kind of well. So I don't really know what this means long term. I know Judon's going to be out for like two months. So like somebody has to get the snaps. And I assume that it would be the people that have been getting the snaps already and doing well. But nope. Anthony Jennings, let's let's see what he's got. Bill Belichick being Bill Belichick once again. That's that's what I was just gonna say. Bill Belichick, man, just when you think you got it figured out as a fantasy owner, Bill throws that curveball on you. But uh, I think the other thing, you know, with these pass rushes for the Patriots, it's also tough to pass rush when you're not winning and you're, you're just down in games. And that's where the Patriots have found themselves, you know, the last couple of weeks here, and that that also could attribute to the lack of sacks as well. So going over to week six, each of us are going to give our IDP pro tip of the week. So Evan, what is yours? Yeah, so I feel like this episode so far has been just absolute like fire, fire. We've been crushing this, not to pat ourselves on the back, but I'm going to pour some cold water on it with my extremely lukewarm uh, pro tip of the week, which is start Bud Dupree. And here's my reasoning why. Give me some grace here because the Falcons are playing against the Commanders. Sam Howell, he likes to get sacked. So there's your there's your pro tip, you guys. I, I was looking at some of the more advanced metrics for this Falcons defensive line. Now, I will also add a caveat. This entire defensive line in Atlanta is not great. They're one of the worst in the league. They're not at the very bottom, but they're near the bottom. They're like bottom five or bottom six, according to PFF grade, just for the entire pass rush. Um, they have some decent guys on the interior, but the edge rushers, they all rotate and none of them have been getting a ton of pressures, but looking at, you know, Calais Campbell, Bud Dupree, Lorenzo Carter, Arnold Ebichetti, like these are the guys that are most often playing outside the tackles, but specifically Bud Dupree because Calais Campbell has been kind of flexing on the interior as well. Uh, Bud Dupree is by by far and away leading the edge rushers in uh, just in snaps played outside uh, outside the tackle, like more than double the next guy. So 
I'm already looking at that. Then I'm looking at his pass rush win rate, which is not super exciting, but it's not terrible. It's not Zayvon Collins, which is my obligatory call out as far as bad pass rush win rates. And he's playing a ton of snaps. So lots of snaps, decent win rate in the ideal matchup. Like if you look at points generated by offensive opponent by position group, like you'll see a general curve from first to 32nd. And it's a decent size gap between every single team. If you just sort by that with the exception of defensive ends and, you know, points generated on average for that position a week against that offense, the gap between number one and even number two is 10 points. Like just looking at this right now, the gap between first and second is 10. The gap between second and 21st is 10. So if that says anything about just how advantageous a matchup this is, I, I don't know what else I can tell you. Like Bud Dupree is probably a guy that depending on the depth of your league could be on waivers. So if you need a Hail Mary, or even just if he's a guy on your bench and you're just like, I'm tired of this grandpa. Like I want to do something else. Throw him in there. <laughs> and just watch the points come in. So quick question. Why not Grady Jarrett or David on Yamada? I know they're interior pass rush. That's um, a fantastic question. It really is. Uh, I guess my argument here is the points generated by the Washington commanders offense on average for defensive tackles is slightly less. It's still not terrible. It's like 11th, but there's something about, the edge rushers and the offensive scheme. Cause it's not only sacks. It's also tackle for loss tackles in general. Like it's fantasy points generated, which again might not be the most predictive statistic, but it is a statistic and it is somewhat predictive. So I'm going to look at it like that. I know that both interior defensive linemen uh, looking at David Onyemata and Grady Jarrett, they each have more pressures than any of the edge rushers in Atlanta but I'm just going to trust that this is going to be a specifically advantageous matchup for defensive ends. But look, if you want to start your defensive tackles, I'm not going to tell you not to. This is a great matchup. And so despite this not being as strong a matchup for defensive tackles as it is for defensive ends, it's still a strong matchup for defensive tackles. All right. I'll make sure Anyamata is in my defensive tackle spot here for next week. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, commanders are so bad when it comes to the offensive line as far as the pass rush. Uh, I'm with you. I mean, it makes makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. So, Joe, who do you have as your IDP pro tip of the week? Yeah, my pro tip of the week, and I know you're going to say this is a homer call, Steve, but I'm going to say go if he's available, pick up Nick Benito. He's, homer. He's Hey, look, you said that last week about it. He was coming off his two-and-a-half sack performance. He's got another two sacks on Zach Wilson this past week. Um, you know, Frank Clark is most likely going to be traded. Randy Gregory's already gone. He's a starter, and he's the premier guy for pressures for the defense for the Denver Broncos right now. And to believe you were very unimpressed with this guy. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, I, I mean, after last year, sending this second-round pick on him, I, I mean, I'm not alone in Bronco country thinking this guy was just a complete bust. But he had a really great training camp. Um, everyone was talking highly of him. And now that he's gotten the chances with the snap counts and the opportunity to start, 
you know, he's really showing out here. How do you feel about Baron Browning and his imminent return? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, I, I like Baron Browning a lot. Um, I think I think that only they can they have the opportunity to help each other. I just don't, you know, Jonathan Cooper has shown flashes. I don't think he's consistent enough to be the complimentary player on the other side of like a Nick Benito. But once Baron Browning does come back, I think that between him and Benito could be a pretty good uh, tandem coming off the edge. I will also say I I want to I hate being the person like I, I'm a guest here, so I don't want to I don't want to be too contrarian. Just adding some more context to this. I'm looking at the PFF uh, pass rush grades, true pass set win rate. I don't know if I, I should get too much into the week. Oh, no, this I, is good, Evan. This is good. <laughs> bring it on. Bring it on. OK, <laughs> if you say so, I'm going to I'm just going to go straight into bring it. it Basically, on. PFF has this metric called TPS for pressures, which true pass set is what that stands for. Basically, it's only snaps where like the quarterback held the ball between two and four seconds with, you know, a certain amount of pass rushers basically was situations where whatever the defensive linemen were doing was actually a result of their own skill, as opposed to a, hmm. some random situation, whether that's, Oh, the quarterback was holding onto the ball for six seconds. So of course you got the snap or the, the sack. You get what I mean? Yeah. Drum basically, roll, please. Drum roll. You are, do you, do you already know what I'm about to say? I feel no, like I'm, 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 I'm looking forward. This is a big uh, climax okay. here. <laughs> so Nick Benito has a true pass at win rate of 7.7%, which is not great. Ooh. And he only has two pressures so far, two pressures for two sacks. Now, okay, that was week five. If I look at the season as a whole, I should have been doing this from the get-go. If I look at the season as a whole, as it loads and I'm stalling and hopefully it pulls up a little faster. He's a little better. He's at 12.5% and that's seven pressures for three sacks. So I will say it, there's two sides to this. One side is he got lucky in week five. However, over the course of the season, like this production could potentially be relatively stable. So I don't think that your, your love for Nick Benito is misplaced. Um, but managers should be glad that he got what he got because this is like a 99th percentile outcome as far as what he did. Um, so yay, I'm glad that it worked out. Yeah, yeah. The week five performance that I know I was aware that literally those two sacks was pretty much all he did all game. <laughs> but uh just you know, going forward, if he's got the opportunity and he's shown that he's got you know can get to the quarterback, it's just a matter of can he consistently do it. Uh the Joe's credit. You know, we were going to be talking about him last week. We, we didn't get the chance to cover him. So uh, this was in the making, and this was before that happened. So it's a makeup call. Not really a makeup call, but, you know, it's a after-the-fact call that should have been before the call. You get my point. <clears throat> so my IDP pro tip of the week is, no surprise, we talked about him earlier in this IDP episode, start linebacker Terrell Bernard. You, you mentioned it, Evan. You know, Matt Milano looks like he's out for the season, which is horrible for the Bills. But for Terrell Bernard, uh, it's only going to increase his role in this defense. Like you said, he had 16 tackles total. 16 total tackles against the Jaguars. It just so happens that the New York Giants offensive line is graded the worst at run blocking, according to Pro Football Focus. So I think he is going to feast on these Giants. Uh, you know, not only that, Bernard led all linebackers and run defense snaps uh, last week, according to PFF. Look, I think that Terrell Bernard 
has the possibility to be a LB1 by the end of this season, which is remarkable to think because, you know, we had talked about, you know, the vacancy of Tremaine Edmonds and him going to Chicago. Those fans anguished over him going and wondered why we didn't pay him. And then we questioned who it was going to be. You know, you had the likes of Dorian Williams, who they drafted, or is it Tyrell Dotson, or is it the veteran A.J. Klein? And then they also signed Christian Kirksey. He was on the practice squad. But, you know, it was a late-round player out of Baylor uh, who people thought was a project. And if I remember correctly, even when I was watching the draft, people did, you know, the Mel Kuypers of the world and what have you gave it a low grade because they thought he was a project. But <clears throat> I didn't know how it would work because him and Milano actually have really similar styles. They both have that kind of quick to the quick to the player. Like they just have a huge, huge acceleration, and they have that that ability to pass rush, like you were mentioning earlier, Evan. Uh, so I, I'm with you all the way. I think you got to start Bernard. You got to start him this week, and I think you got to start him the rest of the way. Yeah, pre Monday Night Football. Now, this depends on your scoring settings, but if I'm looking purely at off ball linebackers. Uh, in in big three IDP scoring, he's he's number three overall in all linebackers. So like, absolutely, I think linebacker one, like top twelve linebacker at end of season, is totally within his range of outcomes. And not only is it within his range of outcomes, like I'd see that as like a fortieth percentile outcome. Like I would be more surprised if he wasn't a top twelve linebacker than I would be if he was, because he's just been absolutely killing it how this Matt Milano injury impacts him. If anything, like maybe his efficiency goes up just a little bit because whoever is playing opposite him, opposite him, more like next to him is probably not going to be as sound a tackler as Matt Milano is. But I do want to mention just since we're on the topic and handing out free information, uh, Tyrell Dodson. I think he's a pretty strong ad. Now I will add the caveat Tyrell Dodson and Dorian Williams both rotated for the remainder of the game, but Dodson played the vast majority of snaps. So if I had to pick a guy, it would be him. And we can already tell how valuable a linebacker position here in this Buffalo defense is. So if you're a manager looking for a guy off waivers, like go get the guy seriously. Joe, any comment over there? You're quiet. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I like your call out, Steve. I mean, I'm not sure what else I can really add. I mean, it's guys uh, looked like a really good player all year and, you know, with this opportunity with Milano being gone, I don't see much else changing like you mentioned. Well, what you can add is that Tyrell Dotson is a, a, a free agent in our league and that you're going to go pick him up. <laughs> I, I don't really need a linebacker, though. So <laughs> I, I don't think that fits for me. But, I mean, I, I guess if uh, nobody else wants him, I can pick him up for $0, maybe sneak him on my minors in case there's some injuries that occur. So that does it for our week five IDP recap, and then our week six IDP predictions with our pro tips of the week. Evan, thanks so much for joining the show today. Where can others find your great work? Thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure as always. Um, they can find me on Twitter or X, depending on if you updated your app yet. You can find me at IDP Evan. You can find my podcast, the IDP Game Theory Podcast, and I do the weekly previews for the IDP show as well. So if you guys want like an hour and a half, that's like a, a sequel to what you guys are listening to here. That comes out a little later in the week. But uh, thank you again for having me. This was this was super duper fun. So much appreciated. Well, you're welcome, Evan. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. If you have any questions as it relates to your 
IDP uh, start sit questions, uh, you know, whether who we should start and all that good stuff. Go ahead and put in the comments below. We're happy to assist you in any way we can to help you win your matchup. We'll be back next week to go through another recap with another prediction. Thank you so much for watching and until next time.